in to mother the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Made Into Mother podcast. My name is Kendall, and I'm your podcast host. And in this episode number one, I'm going to be sharing my journey with you. So from my conception all the way through to postpartum. So a little bit about myself. I'm 29 and I live on the Gold Coast with my husband, Darren, and our beautiful little boy, Jimmy, who's four and a half months old. And I can currently hear him crying out in the lounge room with dad. (laughs) Um, So I will take you back to the beginning, right to our conception we've been together for nine years, Darren and I, we always knew that we wanted to be parents. Um, And in March 2021, we decided to start trying for a family and we were very fortunate enough to get pregnant quite quickly. Um, I haven't been on any type of contraception since I was about 20 to 21. So I'm lucky in that way that contraception did not agree with me whatsoever. Um, so I actually tracked my cycle naturally for many, many years through an app called flow. A lot of you may be familiar with it, but if you aren't, it's a period tracker app called flow F L O. Um, and it was a really good app to know exactly where I was at with my cycle when I was ovulating, when I was due for my period. So, um, prior to conception, we would obviously not have sex during my ovulation period. So when it came to conception, to get prepared, I had done some tests, um, some of the ovulation tests to make sure that my it was actually my ovulation was actually lining up with my app and it was all bang on. Um, so we were lucky enough to fall pregnant that very first cycle. We were actually quite shocked. We didn't think that it would happen that quickly. Uh, so we were really, really, really grateful that we fell uh, pregnant so quickly, which leads me to my pregnancy. I definitely didn't love my pregnancy. Um, I had a pretty textbook pregnancy apart from the fact that I have IBS uh, and it got quite severe when I was pregnant which is really, really unlucky because most of the people who have IBS and fall pregnant, this condition goes away or corrects itself. So I was really, really unlucky uh, in that regard. And I was definitely not a glowing mama at all. (laughs) I stopped working out at, I think, about 15 weeks pregnant. I know I could only just walk. I had a lot of back pain and hip pain and stuff like that. So especially as I got bigger and bigger and towards the end, I was definitely, definitely over it. But something that was really important to me was continuity of care. Um, And I didn't know much about birthing or the options available to me when I fell pregnant. I just thought you rang up and got a midwife and then that was it. So I was super naive uh, in that in that regard, and I went to a place on the Gold Coast. I was looking for. I was happy to pay for a midwife, but um, I did choose to birth through the Gold Coast Uni Hospital. 
There was only one clinic on the Gold Coast at the time that offered a private midwife care that you could birth through GC Uni. And I think I called them at about four or five weeks pregnant because a friend told me to get in that early and they were already booked out. They couldn't take me. So I was super shocked about that. Um, but the midwife who had spoken to at that clinic lent me into MGP care through the Gold Coast Uni Hospital. So MGP care is offered Queensland wide and I'm not sure about other states but I believe it's other states as well have some sort of uh, care model similar to this so it's basically government care and it's midwifery group practice so through the Gold Coast Uni Hospital I was allocated a group of four midwives who looked after me during my whole pregnancy we're going to go through my birth and then postpartum and I honestly had no idea about that program when I got pregnant and I'm so glad that I fell into that because they were the best and the care that we received through my pregnancy through MGP was absolutely amazing so um, I got told to apply through them and how you if you're actually interested in applying through MGP in, in Queensland so I went to my GP and they um, sent a referral to the hospital requesting um, that care and then I emailed them as well. And that was at about, I think I was about six or seven weeks and they called me out of the blue when I was about 14 weeks to tell me that I was in and booked my um, first appointment. So I had the same midwife that I saw throughout my whole pregnancy and she was really good she would come to my house it was during COVID um or I would go there and yeah she was she was awesome in the right direction uh with a lot of things during my pregnancy I actually had some pelvic floor issues and uh, another thing I wasn't aware of is uh, my midwife put me in touch with a pelvic floor physio on the Gold Coast had no idea that they existed but she was amazing Sarah from female physio okay she actually helped me during my pregnancy um with some bladder issues as I got bigger I had a lot of pressure uh in my in my pelvic floor area and during my pregnancy I actually fixed it with um Sarah and she helped me get my pelvic floor ready for birth and I was just shocked really a lot of my friends hadn't even heard of a, a pelvic floor physio as well but I'd highly recommend um it was awesome and after actually postpartum Sarah was really good too and I'll, I'll circle back to that in my postpartum section but um so yeah so during my pregnancy I guess we we really just didn't know a lot about birth and I was really really keen to just get my head wrapped around exactly what was going on and now that we had the continuity of care locked in we decided to go and do a hypnobirthing course on the Gold Coast uh, so the course that we went and did was belly to birth it's quite a popular hypnobirthing course on the Gold Coast I'll tag the details in the show notes um, that was incredible and it opened our eyes really to what thing should be or what we wanted our birth to be um especially good for my husband who really knew nothing 
about birth. I actually was shocked about how much he didn't know. So doing a course like that was super helpful for us. I think that cost about $600 and it would be something I would do 10 times over again. So I'd highly recommend doing something like that. Um, so after doing the hypnobirthing course, I was just on an absolute mission to get prepared for birth. Um, I was just hungry to learn more and asking everyone about their birth stories and listening to podcasts and and basically whatever I could to get prepared for birth. So physically, um, as I mentioned before, I, I couldn't go to the gym. I started to get really, really sore towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, so I was just walking and doing some yoga, just some yoga at home. And I went and seen a chiropractor for the last half of my pregnancy and that was a lifesaver, I think, definitely around my hips and lower back. Um, and if you are going to go see a chiropractor and you're pregnant, you should look for a Webster certified chiropractor. They are certified in adjusting pregnant women Uh and so, yeah, I was seeing my chiropractor a couple of times towards the end and he was helping me with some pelv pelvis pain and trying to get everything in alignment, uh, getting prepared for birth. And so it was nearing the end of my pregnancy and I was, I was really done. I was super done. I was doing all of the things. I was having raspberry leaf tea, um, dates, six dates a day. I was doing the gutter walking. I started to get acupuncture too the last few weeks. So um, I was just seeing a private lady who is actually a midwife herself and she was doing all of the acupuncture points for to get my uterus ready. And uh, look, I'm not sure if all of this stuff helped, but I did end up having a pretty good birth. So Towards the end of my pregnancy, I it was coming into Christmas. So Christmas Day, I would have been 42 weeks pregnant and I really didn't want to be medically induced with like Pitocin and stuff like that. So I was starting to stress out a little bit, even though I wasn't, I was only 40 weeks pregnant and I was asking my um, midwife to give me a stretch and sweep. And I'm just, I'm so glad that she said no to me and just told me to calm down and then let my body do it. So I was doing obviously all of the things, um, in hindsight, I wish I would have just chilled out a little bit more and trusted my body. Uh, but I'll take you obviously like back to those first signs of labor. I had actually lost my mucus plug at about 35 weeks pregnant and I was getting Braxton Hicks from early, I think it was about 20 weeks. So um, I had some pretty strong Braxton Hicks around that time when I lost my mucus plug and I had seen my GP who had sent me into the hospital because she thought um, just wanted to get everything monitored. And I went into the hospital just to get checked and I wasn't in labor then and my cervix wasn't dilated or anything. So um, I did think I was going to go early, but I didn't. Um, so, yeah, I was having Braxton Hicks for 
weeks and they were starting to get quite strong towards the end of my pregnancy. So from 37 weeks onwards, I was getting them all the time and I actually thought I was going into a labour a few times. So they, I would get contractions, uh, light contractions at night and I would get like four or five 20 to 30 minutes apart but they weren't, they were more like slight cramping and I would sort of, you know, get on my ball and go, okay, tonight's the night. And then I would always wake up still pregnant and be like, oh God. So I think it was about, yeah, 40 weeks and oh, exactly. It was my due date. And I just went, I'm sick of this. I need to just calm down and let my body, I think this is, my body's getting ready and the baby's going to be here soon. So once I let go of everything is actually when things started and it and it's it's crazy the night before I went into labor I knew I was going to go into labor that night I had I wasn't in I didn't have any contractions or there was no signs of labor starting I just knew something shifted and it and it's really weird I didn't say anything to my partner because I was literally like the boy who cried wolf I was like every night I'd be like tonight's tonight but it was weird. This night I knew it was going to be the night. It was just I felt this weird sort of calm. My friends were over for dinner. I was sitting there at the table and I just knew it. It was it, it's such a weird feeling. But we went to bed that night and 2.30 a.m. pretty much on the dot, my waters exploded. And when I mean they exploded, they exploded. <laughs> I heard them pop and they just gushed everywhere all over our bed. And I rolled over to my husband and said, uh, Darren, my waters have just burst. And um, we woke up and I had a shower and checked that the waters were clear and that, you know, there was no meconium or anything in them. So I said to Darren, there was no signs of labor at that stage. My waters had just, just burst. So I said, look, you go back to sleep. It was Monday morning, very early. I said, you can go into work in the morning and wrap up anything you need to, and then come home. And he was like, okay, no worries. So he went and slept in the spare room because I slept on his side because my waters had broken everywhere on my side. And he said, okay, well get me if you, if you know, if contractions start or anything like that. So I said, yep, of course you, you go to sleep. So I was super excited. So I couldn't really get back to sleep, but everything I had learned during my pregnancy, it says is so important to obviously get rest. And, you know, I, I, I was, I tried to go back to sleep. So I put my um, hypnobirthing tracks on and laid in bed in my, like I put them in my headphones. And then I think it may have been about 25 minutes or half an hour after my waters were broken. And I had my first contraction and I was like whoa that was a contraction <laughs> prior to that all of that that I thought was contractions absolutely wasn't so it sort of started pretty quickly um and I had my first first wave and then about five minutes later I think the next one five minutes later the next one and they would just each one just got stronger and stronger and I ended up back in the shower. So I was like, oh, wow, this is progressing quite quickly. So I put fairy lights on. I had it all organized. I had it all prepped and everything, had the house ready for me to go into labor. 
So I had the fairy lights ready. Um, I put the music on and I got in the, back in the shower. And I think I was in the shower for maybe 15 minutes and I had to start breathing through contractions. So it was moving quite quickly. So I think this was about, it would have been about an hour um, after my waters had broken and I couldn't get up off the shower floor to go and get my husband to tell him that labor had started. And he luckily, he was on the other side of the house and he luckily got up to go to the bathroom and he heard me breathing through my contractions on the other side of the house. And he came in and he was like, what the hell is going on? I left you not long ago and you were not in labor. And I was, yeah, on the ground, full breathing through them. So he helped me get out of the shower and he packed the car. And I, because I told him, I was like, look, Darren, you're going to have to pack the car because this is moving quite quickly. Um, and he packed the car and everything and got me all ready, got me dressed and put the TENS machine on. So um, I had that on pretty early, straight after I got out of the shower basically. And I, I don't really know if it helped that much because my labour was moving quite quickly. I think it may have, um, but I was already focusing on just breathing through breathing through the contractions. So we moved out into the lounge room and I think this was at about probably about 4 a.m. at this stage and we were on the lounge room and I was just sitting on my ball and Darren was like a little bit, he was ready and prepared, but he was sort of a little bit on edge. I, he was like, do you want some food? And I was like, yes, I'm hungry. Can you please make me something, make me some Vegemite toast? And he was sort of, I don't know, just doing this weird shit and just ran around the kitchen and just, I don't know, wasn't achieving anything. And then he gave me toast with no butter on it, with just Vegemite on it. It was <laughs> dry and rank. I was like, can you get your shit together, please? Um, so I didn't eat the crap Vegemite toast. but oh, So we just sat there and I kept going on the ball and I, I was thinking in my head if this is – what labor is going to be like. I can't do this for two days. I started to really doubt myself because it was so intense really quickly. Like this is only two hours after my water's broken. I expected to be in labor for, you know, one to two days, but, um, I, I just, I just knew it was moving fast and I was dilating. I knew I was get, I was progressing. I could feel it in my body. And I said to him, I think you need to call the midwife now. Um, we'd already discussed with our midwife prior to that that we, if my waters broke during the night, we would call her in the morning unless I really needed to come in. So I called my midwife who was off that day um, and it went to the backup midwife, which was completely fine. I had met her and I knew her um, and she was amazing and I really got along with her. So I was completely fine with having her during my birth and it was it just all worked out sort of perfectly. She was, she said, look, I'm at the hospital already. I'm just wrapping up a, another birth um, and you can come in at any time. Uh, but I suggest that you stay home for half an hour more. And she listened to me on the phone go through some contractions and she was like, right, yeah, you're definitely in labour, <laughs> but try and hold out if you can for, you know, a little bit longer. And I was like, okay, I can, I'll, I'll hold out. Um, 
And then we got off the phone with her and I think I lasted about 20 minutes and I said to Darren, get in the car, we are going. Um, And the car ride to the hospital, I was really dreading the car ride because I had heard so many people say the car ride was the worst thing ever. But my car ride was absolutely incredible. The sun was coming up and it was the most beautiful sunrise ever and there was no traffic on the road and it was so quiet. We had my birthing affirmations playing that we got through the hypnobirthing course. So they were playing over the radio and I had the seat heater on and I was just super comfy and it was actually not bad at all. Um, we only live 15 minutes away from the hospital anyway. So we actually got to GCU and parked in the car park because it, although I was really in labor, I was like, no, nah, I'm walking. Let's just get this car parked and Darren carry the bags over. So we didn't have to muck around with the car. So we, pa- we parked the car and in between the car park and like the labor suite, I think I had about six or seven contractions. Like they were really coming on quick. Now they're about one to two minutes apart. So through MGP, um, because my midwife was there at the hospital, it was really, really good. We just sort of rocked up and, and my midwife's name was Faye and we're like, Faye knows we're coming. And she, we didn't go through triage or anything like that. Faye just came out and got us and took us straight into the birthing suite. So we, I was so grateful for that because I had a massive fear that I was going to be put into some triage and then checked and against my will and all this sort of stuff. But it really, yeah, it was really quite a nice experience. We just, the birthing suite was already set up for us. She had fairy lights and stuff like that. Um, out which was lovely and she was just like yep do your thing so part of my birth plan was um, I really didn't want vaginal exams unless I changed my mind last minute so um, and I just wanted to be left alone basically to basically like a home birth but they were just there just in case anything happened Um, so I, when we got there, she asked if I wanted to be checked and I did say, yes, I really wanted to know where I was at. So by the time we were in the birthing suite, I believe it was about 5.30. So my waters broke at 2.30. So we were there at 5.30 and she checked me and I was fully effaced and five centimeters dilated. So she said, just do your thing. Um, and I decided to jump in the shower. I should mention I had Darren as a birth partner and um, my best friend, Georgia. I asked her to come into the birth as well. We don't really have any family here on the Gold Coast. So I really wanted to have a female there as well. And Georgia had just given birth a couple months before me. So she was she was all over it. So yeah, our midwife um, was sort of coming in and out of the room and just really leaving us alone. Um, so I jumped in the shower and she just popped the Doppler on me and just made sure that Bub was handling the contractions okay. And and he was, he was handling it like a champ. So I was on the ball, on the birth ball in the shower um, with the water on my back and my belly. So I had a lot of front, all my label was in the front and in, in, in basically on my belly. Um, 
and it was getting sort of really intense at this stage and I was having to, I couldn't talk by this stage now, so I was full lockdown concentrating, breathing through them. Uh, so, yeah, and then Georgia arrived. Um, Georgia got to the hospital and she was like, what the hell? Because she was at my house for dinner the night before and it just felt like a few hours later and then I was literally giving birth. Um, so, yeah, she was really, really good. She came in and she started rubbing my shoulders and making sure everything was set up. She'd had the lights on and the music and her and Darren, yeah, we're doing the candles and getting everything really, really nice for me and making sure that my birth environment was really lovely. So I leave it in the shower for a bit and I then asked for the gas. So yeah, it was, they were definitely coming really quickly. The contractions were coming, I think at this stage, every minute. Um, so yeah, it was really, really, ra- things were really ramping up and the gas was an absolute godsend. I know, a lot of people say that it can make make them sick, but um, I didn't experience that. I loved it. I think it was definitely helped me get through those really, really tough spots. I think there was one stage there where I was in, I, I'm not sure if I was transitioning then, but it was definitely to, like getting close to transition that I was like, why the hell did I want to do this naturally? <laughs> Give me the damn epidural. But that sort of, you know, that thought quickly passed my mind and I told my midwife, I think it's time to fill up the tub because I could tell that he was coming um, and he was coming really, really quickly. So they filled up the tub and it felt like it just took like two minutes. But, um, you know, it, that was about a half hour sort of period and and I, I couldn't move out of the shower and I was so scared to leave the gas. And I, so I finally just got up and um, moved into the, the birthing pool and I believe that was at about almost 8 o'clock um, and it was so, so nice. <laughs> I remember just stepping down the steps and getting into the pool and I honestly that was one thing of my whole labor and birth I remember so clearly I just was like oh my god the relief of getting into the water and you know just floating and the room was so pretty because it was all set up while I was in the shower and then when I came out a few hours later it was all just so nice the sunlight like it was dark and the we had the led light candles and they were going and I had my um tracks on which were I had like spa music and stuff on it was just a really 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 nice moment so I got in the yeah once I got into the tub they'd moved the gas over to the tub and I was just uh, hanging off the edge and still breathing through contractions with the gas. And then it just got to a stage where I just, I couldn't even focus on having the gas. I couldn't focus on doing it. I I couldn't do it and try and breathe through contractions and that. So I ended up just getting rid of it. And I that in hindsight, I was sort of in transition there. Um, I did try and talk my husband into sneaking me out. I don't know where I thought I was going to go, but (laughs) yeah, in hindsight, I was definitely in transition then. Um, and yeah, so, so my body just started to push 
And it's so weird. I was so prepared for birth and I knew that the fetal ejection reflex, which is what it's called when your body just naturally pushes itself, I knew about it, but I didn't know it was happening, which is so strange. So um, also when you start pushing, you need a second midwife. So the second midwife had came in um, by that time, which is a, a part of the MGP as well. I knew her as well and, and met her as well. And it wasn't until Faye, the midwife, the original midwife, told the new midwife who'd come in the room, yeah, she's she's going real well, it's all good, and oh, we've, she's been pushing for about 10 minutes. And I remember hearing that and going, oh, my God, that is what's happening. I didn't even know that that's what was happening. My body was just doing it. And the only way I can explain the feeling is like if you've ever been really, really, really sick and you are throwing up and you like can't stop throwing up and your body's sort of like, I don't know, heaving. And I just found it, I don't know, I thought it was so strange that I didn't know that that was what was happening, but that's what was happening. So I, yeah, was, I didn't even really push. It was like each contraction that came on, I sort of bared down and let my body do it and I could feel him coming down. Um, and then the midwives were just checking with the Doppler under the water that he was handling it okay. And they were so good. They were so hands-off. They really respected my birth wishes and they just left me alone. And I said like I feel like he's there I feel like he's right there and faking my midwife just said why don't you put your hands up there and see and and I stuck my hands in and I could feel his head like right there and I was like ah (laughs) it was I don't know I was freaked out about it but yeah he was right there and um they were getting ready to like catch him behind me and and I had my hands up facing down and he was coming out and I didn't feel the ring of fire. I knew he was crowning, but I didn't feel the ring of fire. And I'm not sure if it's got anything to do with me being in the water, the whole labor, I was pretty much in the water. And I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. And trust me, it was definitely intense, but I didn't feel that burning sensation, but I knew he was right there. So that was the first time when I pushed um, the midwives helped me through it. So he was, um, yeah, he was sort of crowning and then um, we waited for the next contraction and they told me to just give like a light little push. So I sort of breathed him out. Um, well, I didn't really breathe. I actually roared him out. Pretty much the whole Gold Coast Uni would have hurt me. But um, uh, once I got his head out, um, they, yeah, they were behind me, ready to catch him. And then with the next contraction, they asked me to just give him a, give a slight push and um, he came flying out of me, but forwards. Uh, so it was really good, actually. I was the first one to put my hands on him and picked him up out of the water and sat down and I was like, what the hell just happened? It was quite quickly. So... That was 9.43, so all up from my pushing stage was about 45 minutes, I think they said. Um, And, yeah, I only really pushed two or three pushes towards the end to help him to help him get out and his little hand was coming out with his head 
So the midwives were quite concerned that I had torn um, pretty badly. So they were trying to, they wanted to get me out of the water pretty quickly, which was fine. Um, I was done and I wanted to get out of the water. I just wanted to focus on spending time with him then. I didn't want to be in the water anymore. I was like, get me out of here. Um, so I got to have a couple of little cuddles and while well, they got the bed and everything and my husband helped me out of the water um, and into onto the bed. And I should mention that they midwives said it was the shortest placenta cord they'd ever seen in their life. So it actually really had to get out of the midwife, uh, the water, sorry. Um, it was quite unsafe for me to be in there because it was my placenta cord was so tight when I was holding them up to my chest that they had to keep me trying to get holding Jimmy down like around my stomach um, because, yeah, my cord was so short. So... They got me out of the water and onto the bed and because my cord was so short, all the blood pumped to him quite quickly. I really, I thought it was going to take like half an hour, but it was like 10 minutes and the cord was white um, and ready to be cut. So my husband cut the cord and because I had done everything naturally, I really wanted to a chance to birth my placenta just by myself. Like I had just gone through everything without, you know, using drugs. So I refused the Pitocin shot and uh, just they, the midwives helped me latch, do the first latch and have lots of cuddles. And so I think it was about 50 minutes and I had no contractions again, getting ready to like birth the placenta and the midwives asked me again if I wanted the Pitocin shot and I was like, yeah, but get it out of me. <laughs> I was done. I just really wanted to like everything, the birth to be done so I could focus on Jimmy. Um, so, yeah, they gave me the shot and literally within I think it was like five minutes the placenta was birthed then and I was like oh I sort of half wish I just did that earlier but anyways it was done uh and yeah it was amazing we got to have uh, a beautiful golden hour and I know that like people would say like you know that first moment of holding your baby you have just all of this love and this overwhelming feeling. I was definitely overwhelmed, but I was like, what the hell just happened? It just happened so quickly that I just needed time to really process it. I, did, I definitely didn't have that feeling at the start. I was like, who is this baby? But regardless, it was still, it was such a beautiful birth. And my husband got to have skin to skin time while I had a shower and my friend Georgia got to have a little cuddle while while we were getting all organized and all cleaned up after everything so it was really lovely and i highly recommend having a friend in your birth if you're thinking about it i was on an inarine whether to have a second person but having a, a feminine energy in my birth was exactly what i needed georgia was there to like you know when my hair was coming out just like bang straight up straight up in a barn and massaging me and she just was doing all that sort of feminine thing so I don't think my husband was amazing with my birth but he wouldn't have thought about like retying my hair and stuff like that so I'm really glad that I had both of them there because they worked so well together to help me get through everything and 
you know, your birth team is super, super important. And I had a really supportive and beautiful birth team. So through MGP care, one of the, I guess, conditions are is that if everything goes okay, you usually go home within that same day. So um, 9.43 I gave birth and once we had done all of the, like we just got to cuddle and everything like that for a couple of hours while the midwife did all the paperwork. So she left us and then she came back in the room a couple of hours later. Georgia had um, gone home and it was just Darren and I and I was cleaned up and dressed and everything like that and she did all of the checks of um, weighed him and and all of that sort of stuff and everything looked really, really good. So she sent us home. So we went home at about 2.30, I think it was, that we left the hospital and I know I had some of my friends go, oh, my God, did you like that? And I actually really liked that. I really wanted to be home. I wanted to be in my own bed. I had the whole house set up. The house was clean. I didn't want to be in a hospital. It was cold. And, yeah, I just wanted to be warm and in my own house. So um, we went home with Bub and I made Darren take me to Hungry Jack's. And I think I had like a double Whopper burger. I was like, give it to me. I'm starving. So we had Hungry Jack's and then we came home and we had a beautiful nap. And our closest friends came over that night for dinner which was so nice that they bought, they, yeah, all, all of my friends bought dinner over and yeah, met Bub. It was really nice and like clean, clean my house and did everything, which was lovely. Um, I forgot to mention with the tearing situation. So the midwives, because Jimmy was born with his hand presenting with his head as well, they thought obviously I had torn, um, but I didn't I didn't actually have any tears or need for stitches. I had a slight labia graze and that was that was all. Um, so I definitely think working with the pelvic floor physio and the hypnobirthing course and water could have helped with that. And I don't know. Who knows with all the dates and rosary leaf tea, everyone asks, oh, do you think it worked? And I'm not sure. A collection of all of it together, I'm sure it all helped. So this leads me then to my postpartum journey. One or two days postpartum, um, I genuinely thought I was killing it. Like I felt amazing. Uh, I was like up and about and I obviously had quite a positive birth and I was really happy with how birth went and I felt really good. Um, I didn't have the three-day blues that people talk about, um, but I definitely had it at about a week. <laughs> I don't know why I had it late. I was like, oh, what's these blues that everyone was talking about? And then I was just crying like out of nowhere, I think around day six and day seven, just crying when I would look at Jimmy because like, I loved him so damn much. Um, but our breastfeeding journey, one thing I guess is negative about going home from the hospital the same day is that I didn't get much time, um, with like with help from a professional with latching. So with my breastfeeding, so, uh, they midwives helped me in the hospital, but I was struggling a little bit to latch. So when I went home, um, I fed him for, I think, 24 to 48 hours off a really bad latch. And I just kept doing it because I thought that breastfeeding was sort of meant to hurt at the start. And 
it's not actually, you know, what was going on. I, he was just latched really, really badly, um, which gave me some pretty bad um, nipple damage. So then uh, I had to sort of push through that. It was a bit of a rough start to our breastfeeding journey. It was on my left side and I remember feeding him on my right side. He didn't particularly love that nipple. My left nipple was better. Um, it's weird. I have like two a little bit different nipples. My left one sticks out a little bit more. So I guess it was easier for him to latch onto that side. But so he would, I would struggle to, I would have to football hold him on my right side because he didn't want to latch on to that one. And then on the left side, I had so much pain. I remember I'd be almost crying before feeding him just because of the thought of feeding him. You know, I was like, oh, not again. I have to feed him off to this side. So because they are a part of the MGP program, they come to your house postpartum uh, for six weeks, I believe, you're in you're still in the program. So I think two to three weeks it was that they came to the house and then after that you go to the clinic, which isn't at the hospital. It's like external from the hospital. But so they came to my house the first week, I think three times, which was awesome. Um, so they came and like obviously helped me latch and got me through the uh, breastfeeding pain. Um, and another thing that helped with that is heat. Uh, fed lanolin than ice so that's definitely what got me through those first few days of you know breast breastfeeding and bre all that pain so yeah we our postpartum journey was quite nice and then and once we got over that sort of initial um, those breastfeeding latching issues I believe after a week we we were doing pretty well <laughs> That was until uh, week two, um, Jimmy started to get quite sick. So uh, he was, after every single feed, he was spewing and he was spewing quite bad. So he was projectile spewing and it was really, really frustrating and upsetting time because I didn't understand what was happening he'd actually gained a lot of weight that that first two weeks and then he'd stopped so I was taking him into the midwife clinic a lot um and like almost every day I was taken into the GP and I kept being like something is wrong with my baby um and it was weird my intuition was just going crazy that something was more wrong with him than what people were telling me I was getting all of these mixed reviews I'd get a GP saying maybe it's this midwife saying maybe it's that try formula maybe he's allergic to your breast milk so um you know as a new mom first time mom postpartum two weeks postpartum so emotional um already I was getting told that you know he's allergic to my milk that's what was causing him to spew I was feeding him too much and I was like what is going on so we ended up in the emergency room at the GCU um and we were admitted because he was so little he was just over two weeks then and he was still okay at this stage as in he was presenting quite well and he had colour and stuff like that and he was still feeding and that. Um, they put him on a feeding tube and this was New Year's Eve. I was in hospital and so COVID was really starting to go absolutely ham in Australia at this time. So that's when 
like it was just a free for all COVID. Everyone had COVID and the hospital was like sort of in lockdown and at 50 cent capacity. So my husband couldn't even come in. We were put into isolation. Our test, our COVID test results wouldn't come back for ages. So yeah, it was, it was so overwhelming. It was New Year's Eve. I had this screaming baby that was spewing and hungry and I couldn't feed. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot for being two weeks postpartum and being so upset, not knowing what was going on with my son. So the hospital were doing, um, I guess everything that they could. Um, and they put him on a feeding tube, uh, and it, didn't help at all so he was still spewing uh, like feeding tube was like drip feeding him my milk so I was like pumping and then they were putting it into a bag and then it would drip and give him little bits of milk over however long of a period so it was just like he wasn't getting a full stomach of milk but that wasn't helping he was still spewing a lot and then he sort of came a little bit good. So they were like, oh, we don't know. You're probably overfeeding him. Try this, this, and that, and this, and lay back when you're feeding him. And they gave me all this information. So I did that. I took, so we got discharged from the hospital, and that's what I started doing. And it just got worse that week. He was full projectile vomiting after every single food uh, feed. I would feed him to my breast, and he would stop halfway through. And the force, like he would be at my nipple and the force would go up my face. It was that sort of hardcore and I just knew it wasn't right. So I was up all night with this baby who's stopped having as many wet nappies, um, which, by the way, if you've got a little baby, is a massive, massive concern. So I had taken him back into the midwives and they had um shown me the head midwife they'd given me an appointment with her um to basically see if she knew anything about it same thing just different information they, everyone was amazing everyone was really really trying to help but everyone just had their own opinion and I just needed the facts um so I took him then back to my GP I think it was the same day and my GP is so amazing she's she's the best GP I've ever had and she was like Kendall you are going back into the hospital today um you're not going anywhere else. You're going straight back to the hospital. You're taking your baby there and you're not leaving until you get some answers because he's not well and there's something going on and you need to go back. And so this was almost, he was almost three weeks old now. So this was like five or six days later after we'd been discharged. We'd gone there. He hadn't had a wet nappy for like 16 hours. So um, I, when we got back to the waiting room in the emergency department they were like boom there is something seriously wrong we need to get onto this asap they pushed us straight through seen a pediatric um doctor straight away um seen a pediatric surgeon they spent a lot of time with us asking us all of the information going over absolutely everything what was going on and then they did some further testing which um, probably should have happened in the first place, but anyways, it was happening now. So they came in and had an, like a, it wasn't an x-ray. It was an ultrasound, an ultrasound on his, um, on his belly. And they found out that he had a condition called pyloric stenosis. So it's not rare, but it's definitely an uncommon condition, um, where 
it it presents in infants and usually males. Uh, it's really rare in females. Um, so it's the pylorus muscle, which is between the stomach and the small intestine, and it thickens. It starts to thicken, so it doesn't happen straight away. It happens slowly, um, and it blocks food from going through to the stomach. So, um, yeah, it usually happens when they're like six to eight weeks old. So it was really, really early, which is obviously why they didn't catch it at that first two when he was two weeks old. But you know, it was starting to get worse, and it was obviously starting to thicken more and more. So three weeks old, we got told in the emergency room, your son's going to have surgery. And I was like, okay, he's three weeks old and he's having surgery. What the hell? What, what's our other options? And basically it was surgery or he dies a slow, painful death. So it was a lot for new parents to hear um, three weeks postpartum that our three-week-old was going in for surgery. So because he was so weak, because he hadn't, like he was spewing so much that last week they had to put him on an IV to get all of his fluids and stuff up and we couldn't feed him for two days. It was the worst time of my entire life. So he was starving. He felt the hunger because he had an empty belly, but he was getting all of what he needed through his bloodstream. So he was getting hydration and everything, but he still felt hunger, which was awful so once again my husband couldn't come in with us once we got admitted so I was by myself with this screaming baby for 24 hours um, until our COVID tests came back negative and then my husband could come in and help me um, but it was so so upsetting it was the worst worst time of my life watching my baby just be starving and so little and vulnerable and he had that many blood tests and he was getting poked and prodded and I was trying to say strong the whole time but I was honestly just so tired and such a mess because I just couldn't do it anymore until Darren was allowed into the room was the best thing that happened to me because I just I couldn't keep going on and seeing my boy like that. So having the support of my husband there was was absolutely amazing. It was really, really hard to get it through it before that. So once he was strong enough, I think it was like a Saturday morning, they scheduled him in for surgery. And then he went in and it was really, really sad handing my little baby over um, to the anaesthetist to go under just to, and I had, we had to wait, I think it was about two hours for him for his surgery. So it wasn't a major surgery. It was like three keyholes to open up the pylorus muscle um, so that food could pass. So once that was done, he was moved to critical care and I was able to be with him in critical care and I was able to, he slept for a while and I was able to feed him and um, they did, they did warn us that he would be vomiting for probably another week, um, but nowhere near as bad and that's exactly what happened. So he was vomiting a little bit, but he was tolerating feeds, which was the nicest thing ever because been as you can imagine probably like just over three weeks postpartum and my son had been projectile spewing for a week and it felt like an eternity like he wasn't getting properly fed and I was getting all of these you know information and it was just so nice to know that he was fixed 
and that he was feeding and he just seemed so much more content and he was sleeping so much better and um yeah it was really amazing so um we got to go home two days after surgery and he made a really 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 speedy recovery so unfortunately though um it was yeah like i said it was around that hectic covid time where everyone was getting covid and they the hospital warned us against having anyone over or they just said you guys are obviously going to get covid at some stage but now is not the time because he had actually he was back to lower than birth weight at almost a month old um so they were like you cannot afford to get him sick at the moment because he obviously was he needed to fatten up and needed to put some weight on and you know get better so we just did nothing i was an absolute hermit no one was glad over not even our best friends i wouldn't see anyone for at least a month just for him just to focus on um on getting better so yeah, we stayed home and and got him better, and he did. Uh, he got a lot better, and you know it did take a few weeks after that. And so by that stage, I think it was about six weeks. So looking back, I felt really robbed of that newborn postpartum sort of period. I guess having a sick baby like that little was the worst thing I've ever, ever gone through. And I know that a lot of people say that the newborn stage is the absolute best stage, but for my husband and I, it was a nightmare. It was actually really upsetting thinking about, you know, what we went through or and what our poor baby went through at such a young age. So, yeah, I, we, I guess our postpartum journey was quite a bit different and it was it was a little bit hard, but you know he's amazing and he's he's doing really really well now he's yeah four and a half months old and we have no issues at all anymore a few things that i did postpartum um so i went back to my pelvic floor physio uh i went back to her at six weeks so she had given me like a birth plan and pelvic floor exercises to do from day one from the hospital which i started day one i just followed it to the t um and then i had like a six-week postpartum appointment with her booked in and she did so they do like a vaginal exam and get you to do some uh, exercises and stuff like that to see where your pelvic floor is at. And she was actually really, really happy with where I was at at six weeks. So I'd followed her um, program and done all of the things. And she'd up my exercises. Um, and a lot of people don't know about pelvic floor physios and I would not have known at all. It sort of just fell into my lap as well, but it's actually so, so important. So um, with your bladder and any sort of incontinence or anything like that that you have at birth, seeing a pelvic floor can, uh, physio can actually really, really help that. So I would highly recommend seeing one. I will, if you're on the Gold Coast, um, I went to Sarah at Female Physio Co., once again, not sponsored. She was just really, really, really good. So I will um, put her Instagram and stuff like that in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah, that, I guess that was like the things that I did postpartum for healing and just a lot of resting and as much as I could after um, we went through Jimmy's illness. So I started to feel a bit myself again, I think, at about 
10 weeks, I started to feel really, really good. Um, and I went back to Sarah, the physio at 12 weeks and she cleared me for exercise and um, she gave me some recommendations on what exercises I should and shouldn't be doing. Um, so yeah, I went back to the gym at I believe 14 weeks postpartum. I started working out again and just slowly eased into it. And yeah, it was really, really nice to get some me time while hubby sat at home and looked after bub. So, so yeah, that was really nice. Uh, our breastfeeding journey while he's coming into four and a half months is slowly winding down. I think I will actually, uh, my goal was to always to get to six months. Jimmy prefers uh, a bottle and I honestly, my, my supply can't quite keep up with him at the moment. So I've been pumping and I'm on actually uh, medication from my doctor to enhance my breast milk supply because I cannot keep up with him. And it seems to be working a little bit, but uh, we're naturally sort of wrapping up and coming to an end because I have to keep um, supplementing him with formula because he's just drinking so much and my body's not making enough milk, which was which was fine. My goal was always to get to six months um, and I've got a bunch of supply in the freezer. Um, so when we do wrap up, I can still at least give him some breast milk, especially if he gets sick or anything like that. So yeah, our breastfeeding journey has been great, but it's just naturally sort of winding down. So we're, we're happy with that. Um, and I guess to summarize it all, I wanted to go over and share some costs. Uh, so birthing through MGP and Gold Coast Uni Hospital was obviously completely free. That's public health system. So um, being in that program was absolutely incredible. I highly recommend you look into it in your city um, and getting my body and mind prepared for birth. So the belly to birth course um, and my pelvic floor physio, chiro, massage and acupuncture, all those appointments throughout my whole pregnancy, all of that cost about $2,000. So uh, yeah, I really just wanted to be transparent if you're looking into things and you and you really wanted to go that far down um, the track. That's how, roughly how much it cost me. I was seeing the Cairo twice towards the end. Um, I'd get a massage every now and then, not not much, but I've seen the acupuncturist twice as well. So that was a, it was a lot towards the end of the pregnancy. Um, and I believe that was it. That was pretty much all all my cost really. Um, another thing to another bit of information to pass on was that my maternity leave from the government didn't come in till nine weeks. Um, I had called them a few times and followed that up. And even though I lodged the application straight away, it took a really long time for me to receive my maternity leave. And that experience was also for two of my close friends as well. So um, something to keep out for. We were okay. We had like money and everything saved and prepared um, for that. So um, I just know that, you know, it, it could for someone else who's not quite in a financial position to not receive any pay for nine weeks. Um, I thought we, well, we were going to get the maternity leave straight away. So it did take a long time for them, you know, to come around. Um, and the only other final tip I would give is if you are about to give birth, uh, get prepared for birth. Get 
you know, as much knowledge as you can, even if you're booked in for a planned C-section, it doesn't matter which way you want to birth. You should 100% know your rights um, and it's okay to ask for what you want and say no to things and say yes to things. Um, be I guess doing the course and being 100% across birth, I felt super empowered to say yes or no. And because my midwives knew that I was so across everything when it came to birth, they really didn't even like ask me anything. They just sort of left me to do it because I just knew what was going on and I knew what was happening. And in turn, we had a really, really, really beautiful birth. So I'd recommend definitely getting um, as much knowledge as you can there and also getting prepared for postpartum. Um something that I didn't do well enough. Uh, I didn't even do a breastfeeding course or anything like that. I really wish I had. They're offered free through the hospital um, usually if you're birthing through a public hospital. I'm not sure about private, but I'm sure that you'd get some sort of um, lessons and stuff like that. I never made it to one and I really wish that I had taken the time to go and do that. Um, Also wish that I had taken the time to cook myself some food and freeze it and do things like that because I hadn't done any of that. I just thought it would be okay. And it's weird that one tiny little human can make two adults so busy. I just thought that, you know, we'd be able to cook dinner and it'd be fine. But we were actually quite busy and it was quite a mission sometimes. So I'd wish I'd done that. And if I could if I could go back, I would have gotten myself a lot more prepared for the postpartum journey because all you want to do is focus on healing and spending the time in the love level with yourself and your baby. Don't want to worry about anything else. Something I'll be doing each episode will be asking parents what their number one product recommendation is. So for me, my Ergo Baby Cool Mesh Carrier is one thing that I would spend the money on over and over and over again. So I think it cost about three hundred dollars but I waited for it to come on special and it was around 240. I ummed and ahed about making this purchase because I just couldn't wrap my head around spending that much money on a carrier and absolutely zero regrets. I use it almost every single day. Do not leave the house without it. Uh, It's really comfortable so yeah that's one probably my number one purchase recommendation. Also um, it's around on Instagram a lot the Cubo baby monitor. Um, I saw it on Instagram a fair bit when I was pregnant on Instagram ads and stuff like that. Uh, And I ended up getting that because my friend had it and it is the best camera. I would spend the money on that 10 times over as well. So it notified me um, when we moved Jimmy into his own room, it would notify me when he would roll over if there's something on his like if your face is covered and stuff like that. So I would feel so much safer when I actually moved him into his own room having that camera. It's super clear. Um, Yeah, and I love it. So that's probably my two, I'd say, number one product recommendations if someone asked me. So, yeah, that that's to summarise everything. But being a mum has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've never been a really maternal person, but I, I can't believe how much I've actually enjoyed it and, and how much I love being a mum. So we'll wrap that up there. If you are listening and you would like to share your story or you have any questions or you'd just like to say hey, 
head over to my Instagram, Maiden to Mother Experience, and send me a message. Um, yeah, if you feel like you have a story that might help another mum or no matter what the story or how you've conceived or birthed or um, how your postpartum's been, I, I want to hear from you. So, so if you want to be on the show, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Next up, we have Georgia's story. Georgia, who was actually in my birth. So she's going to be sharing her story of um, her and her son, Remy. I'll see you then. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. 